here we go. Praise God. Welcome, everyone. This uh, Monday night again, but he sent his word ministries. We're here to love you guys, to edify you guys today. Um, be blessed in Jesus' name. It's, a, it's always an honor and a privilege to share with brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren um, and fellowship with one another. And, you know, at the moment we can't meet each other face to face, but, you know, God's given us technology that we can meet. And, um, you know, as long as we are fellowshipping and with one another and with the Holy Spirit, if God before us, who can be against us? Amen. We'll make a way when there is no way. Amen. And I was just sharing earlier, everyone talks about the, uh, the book of Acts. When I go back to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, well, we are in the book of Acts because uh, we're locked down and we're getting persecuted, if you want to call it. And, um, and this is a good time to share the gospel and share the good news with people and um, bring hope to people that don't have any hope. Um, don't bring condemnation, bring hope and uh, share the light. When the light shines in the darkness, the darkness is not comprehended, the Bible says. So you are the light on top of a hill. Let's shine for Jesus, amen. And, um, and let's, let's understand what the Lord is trying to do in this time and place and our closeness with the Lord. We have a living hope. Most people don't have a hope. And um, we have a hope. People have hope in the world, in the government, in doctors, or in someone else that's going to do something. But we have a hope that Christ in us, the hope of glory. You know what I mean? So, but be blessed, blessed today uh, to those listening online and uh, those who listen to it now or listen to it later. But uh, tonight's message, um, um, we Rabs and I, we, you know, we we said last week, you know, there's a, there's a big question that gets always asked: How do I do something? How do I pray? How do I read my Bible? How do I fast? You know, we say spend time with God, and um, how do I spend time with God? And and then that's they're all valid questions, you know. I remember um, when I was a young believer, I used to hang around all the um, the preachers as much as I could and my pastors back in those days. And if they had a conference, I was the one that picked them up from the airport. I didn't care who they were or what they I was just hungry to learn. I was hungry to know the things of God. I was just hungry to be around the anointing and anointed men and women. And, and there's, there's a place in your heart you need to be hungry. And there was a saying many years ago, when the student's ready, the teacher will come. And it's, it's, it's not a biblical uh, statement, but it's, uh, I think that's true. You know, how many times now um, you would say, man, if I knew that 10 years ago, I would have saved myself a lot of trouble. Well, maybe 10 years ago you weren't, weren't ready to hear it. You know, I had a business coach there for a while. He was a Christian and he, you know, taught some principles. And I went, wow, I mean, if I only understood that principle, I probably wouldn't have gotten myself in so much trouble. He goes, but were you willing, were you willing to take that advice back then? And maybe I wasn't. Or maybe I was. I don't know. You know, it's easy. Hindsight's a great thing. And anyone that's lived long enough would say, man, if I had my time again, <laughs> I can put my hand up to that. You know what I mean? But I love the scripture. It says, old things have passed away. And behold, all things become new. See, any man being Christ is a new creation. So we don't live in the past, but we can learn from the past. We can learn from remembrance, you know. And um, what my message today is about, how to meditate the Word of God and assimilate the Word of God. Meditate and assimilate. And I'll explain myself as we go along. Now, before you um, theologians out there start saying, oh, he said the word meditate. He's going into New Age teaching. Um, you know, he's meditating. And uh, 
I'm not talking about banging a drum and humming. You know, I'm not talking about sitting there upside down with your fingers crossed. I'm not, I'm not talking about um, chanting. I'm talking about the Word of God. So if you've got your Bibles, and I want to share some examples and um, and, and just go through this as as, as as basically as basic as I can. So I want to share some things that uh, that I did as a young believer, what I learned, and it really blessed my life. And, you know, what I'm talking about today is how to get the Word in you, how to, to meditate on the Word of God and assimilate the Word of God. And they're two different things. But I want to share something with you. Because if you're studying a subject, let's say you're reading the Bible to find out about faith or you're doing a subject study about the blood or the crucifixion or faith. That's great. That's not what I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about my everyday reading of the Bible. You know, I'm not talking about just a scripture devotional. I'm not talking about talking about getting the word of God in you so you can start co-laboring with the Holy Spirit. And when God brings the, when you start meditating on the word day and night, I want to explain what meditation is, but also I want to explain how God brings the word alive in you and assimilates the word. And I'll, sh- I'll share what that means shortly. But let's go to Psalm 1 1. Psalm 1 1. I'll give you a chance to get there because it's going to go through this very slowly because I want to, I want you to get a picture of what I'm trying to say here. Today's not more of a preach, it's more of a, a, a teach, it's more of a discipleship to walk you through something. Now, this is not the be-all and end-all. Please don't come out and say, oh, but I don't do things. Mate, if you're God, if you're doing things with the Lord, that's awesome. I'm just here to just help out a little bit in respects to um, how we get the Word of God. How do we get to a place where the Word of God's in us and God can use us with, with assimilation? How God can bring the imagery of the Scripture and bring us revelation. And... You know, I, I'm a bit weary when someone says, I have a revelation from God, but they never spend more than five minutes reading their Bible a day. Well, yeah, you might have got a revelation, but how does that sustain you? How does that guide you into all truth? And uh, uh, people, I was not a very good reader, so I sort of shied away from reading when I first got saved. But I had the Bible in my car as a CD in my car. I had it on, on audio. I had it on TV. I even bought, um, uh, got us videos once where, uh, we 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 uh, recorded them, and they had uh, the Bible, the Book of Matthew, and the Book of Mark, and Luke and John, and they had subtitles, so you could watch the movie, and the subtitles would come up, and there was word for word from a, a certain translation of the word, and then they had the chapter and verses even, and in our early days, you know, because you could see the movie and read the scripture at the same time and know the verse and whatever it took to get the word of God in us, we did it, and we didn't understand. Meditation and assimilation. We just wanted to get the word of God. I often say to young believers, where do I start? And I often say, well, get to know Jesus. You know, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Find out what Jesus said. I remember, you know, when I was growing up as a young believer, I knew that Jesus fed the 5,000. I knew Jesus raised the dead. I knew Jesus died and rose again. But that's as far as I went. But when I read the scripture, wow, Jesus did that twice. Jesus did that. What the, oh my. And you know what? You start reading, you start seeing, you think you know something. Until you read it and you think, man. So this is getting the word of God in you. Now, a lot of people say to me, I read, but I don't understand. So what? Just keep reading. If you get hooked up on something, write it down. I don't understand this. Write it down, but keep reading. And Psalm 1-1, let's read that and then I'll, I'll get into that. 
So Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But he delights, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law we meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Who wants to be a blessed man or woman? Just that there says, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in that counsel or the wisdom of the wicked or the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. That just means doing things the way sinners do. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful, judgment, hatred. You know, God wants us to be blessed. But you can't say I'm blessed and live like that. You can't be blessed and say, well, I'm taking counsel from the wicked or ungodly. Or you can say it this way, I take counsel from the world. Now, if you don't have God's counsel, there's some good counsel out there in the world. But guess what? There's better counsel than God. And if I don't understand God's wisdom, I'm going to get, you're going to get wisdom from somewhere. I often say this to young guys. You're going to, you're going to meditate on something, whether it's the word of God or the devil or the world. You're always going to gravitate to something. You know, I often say, if you say yes to Jesus, you're going to say no to the world. If I am going to say no to the world, I'm going to say yes to the Lord. And it's, it's like this every New Year's Eve, people make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to, that's it, I'm going to lose weight. So they'll say, that's it, no more eating wrong. You say no more, no to eating fast food. You never say yes to a new diet. Well, your no is not going to be empowered. Your no is empowered by your yes, and your yes is empowered by your no. So when I say yes to Jesus, I say no to the world. I can't just, just say yes to Jesus. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I say yes to walking in the flesh. I say no to walking in, in the, sorry, in the spirit. I say no to walking in the flesh. Your yes has to be empowered by your no. This whole earth we're on is giving and taking, sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest time. And here in Psalm 1, it says, a man is blessed who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. But then it says here, it says, but he delights in the law of the Lord. And his law is, he meditates on it day and night. He's talking to Joshua here when he says, don't let the Lord depart from your mouth and from your mind. So how do we meditate on the word day and night? Who's praying 24 hours, seven days a week? Who's reading 24 hours, seven days a week? I guarantee you none of us. So what's he trying to tell us here? What is it that the Lord's trying to show us here? Because if we understand how to meditate on the word of God and we delight in the law of the Lord, now, this is Old Testament. What's New Testament? And I want to share this with you. But if we understand that we get the Word of God in us, in our spirit man, and I said this last week, said our spirit man was born again, but doesn't know everything. Just because you're at the, just because you got the nature of Christ living inside you and the Holy Ghost lives inside you, it doesn't mean that you know everything. It doesn't mean you know how to live your life out. Because if we did, why does he say crucified the flesh? Why does he say edified the, the spirit? If I need to be edified, that means I'm not where I'm meant to be. So in the spirit, let's talk about this in the spirit. He says, once I understand I'm a tree planted in Christ. And here it says planted by the rivers of water. What happens when you get born again? Rivers of living water will flow from your belly. Then I'll bring fruit in its season. 
The Bible doesn't say to you to produce fruit. You and I cannot produce fruit. We bear it. We're not the producers of the fruit. We bear fruit. The Holy Spirit in us will produce the fruit. We bear the fruit. And our leaf will not wither, and everything we do shall prosper. You know, in John chapter 16, and I want you to go there, and I want you to, so I'll put this together. I need to meditate on the word day and night. But hang on, Lord, I, I've got to work. I've got a family to raise. Uh, I'm a human being. I, I, I've got to eat. I've got to sleep. Well, let's, we'll, 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 and we'll address all that. It's amazing when, uh, in John chapter 16, verse 12, he says, Jesus is talking. He says, I'll have a lot of things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority. You got to hear me closely. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. It's amazing when he says the spirit of truth, he'll guide you into all truth. And uh, later on, he says that the Holy Spirit will come and he'll remind you of everything that I have told you to the disciples. Well, Jesus spoke a lot in those times with the disciples. Jesus would have told them a lot of things. We know that's what's recorded, but we do know that if everything that Jesus did was recorded, John said, there wouldn't be a book big enough to contain what the miracles and the things he taught. But the, what we have recorded is so you can believe. That's what John said. So there was so much done in front of the disciples, so much taught, so much. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit coming, and they didn't understand what he meant until Pentecost. Then the Holy Spirit started to bring to their remembrance, or he started to bring a revelation of the word that was spoken through God, Jesus, to them. The Beatitudes is about he who builds his rock and does my sayings. See, we think that we're on the rock because we receive Jesus, and we are. We are built on the rock of Christ. Jesus is our rock. But if we don't do what he says, we're not building on it. We're not building on that rock. And that's when the storms of life come and that blows that house away. But that's not my message. But you got to understand something that John, uh, when he's speaking in John, who's saying that the Holy Spirit will all these things to your remembrance. Stop for a second. So we're talking tonight about meditating and simulating the word. Meditation isn't Bible scripture memorization. It's not memorizing scripture. It's not confessing scripture, although it does assist the meditation. It's not, uh, it's not you knowing where every scripture is in the Bible. That's not meditation. Meditation is to get the mind of Christ, his spirit, Christ's spirit, the Holy Spirit to co-label with my spirit. And once I get the word of God in me, then the Holy Spirit can start forming the imagery of God's word. In other words, the Holy Spirit is to bring the word of God to me. Jesus said, everything that is the Father is mine, and the Holy Spirit will bring it to you. What a great promise. But I need to have the word in me. Now, how do I uh, meditate on the word? How do I assimilate the word? I'll give you an example. For myself. If I'm studying something, let's say God puts on my heart to study a scripture. The first rule of thumb is not to take that scripture out of its setting. 
I need to study before and after the fact. I need to maybe go back one chapter, two chapters, and read the scripture, read the parables, read the story all the way through, maybe read after it. I need to get a, an idea of what Christ is trying to say in that area. Example, just I want to give some examples. Who's ever heard of the scripture that if you give, it's in Luke 6, 38. If you give, it'll be given to you with good measure, pressed down, shaken over, shaken together, runneth over, and it will be put onto your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back unto you. Who's heard of that scripture? Who's heard that scripture that if you give, it'll be given back unto you? Pressed down, shaken, and runneth over. Overflow. Just out of curiosity, I can't see everybody there, but it's pretty common scripture in the church today. If you give to God, he'll give it back to you with overflow. Press down, shake it, run up over. And you normally hear that in the context of giving money. True? For those who have been long enough in the church, you would be saying amen. But if you read that in context, it's got nothing to do with money. It's got nothing to do at all with money. It's talking about forgiveness here. So if you read before and after the fact, it's, a, it's talking about forgiveness and don't judge. Then said, whatever measure you measure will be measured back unto you. So I've heard a thousand offering messages and giving messages. And God does give. Please don't misunderstand me. This is not an anti-don't-give message. But what I'm trying to say to you is, in the context of what Jesus is saying here, that has nothing to do with you giving money. Because we are told to give. We are told to be to bless. We are told to feed the hungry and the poor. And look after the widow and the orphan. That's not what I'm talking about. But when I take the scripture out of its setting, I'll lose its power in what Jesus is trying to say. Amen. And if you read before Luke 6.38, you read before and after, you would see that in the context of what Jesus is trying to say. So when I understood the, the, the laws of assimilation and meditation, what do I do? I read the whole book of Luke. I'd read it. Now, when I'm studying something, like as I said, I'm narrowing, I'm narrowed down to a, a scripture or a message that God's put on my heart. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm doing my everyday reading of my Bible, I just read the whole scripture. You know why? I want to get the whole of chapter six in my spirit. Even if I don't understand what I'm reading right now. Even if I don't get a revelation of what I'm in. And I want to encourage you. Pick a book. Pick a book of Mark, Luke, John. Pick a book of Galatians. Whatever. Read the whole book through. Then you might go back and read it again. Whatever. What you're doing is you're getting the word of God on the inside of you. You might, you, you might not be seeing lightning bolts, angels flying around your house. You're not, you might not be getting edified. You might not be feeling anything. Or how many times do you feel lightning bolts and angels flying when you're praying in tongues or when you're fasting? Not all the time. Very rarely. But when I read the Word of God, I put the Word of God in context. In other words, I'm giving the Holy Spirit some ammunition to work with. Are you with me? I'm given the Holy Spirit. Now, I could get a revelation of a scripture. Uh, I can honestly say this. I've probably quoted, God never gave us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind, no less than probably three times a day for the last 19 years. I could, easy. It was only about a month ago that God started to share with me that scripture. It shared with me. I started breaking it down. And I started going back over the word. And, I started, and then 
God started to give me revelation from that. And it started to show me some things out of that. God never gave a spirit of fear. So if God never gave me that spirit of fear, who did? I never even asked that question before. But now I have to find out what did God give me? Love, power, and a sound mind. Then I can go back and God started to show me. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Jesus is the love of God. Power when the Holy Spirit came upon me. And now I've got a stable mind. That's why he says, renew your mind. And I started to see the scripture come together. That one little scripture can be married from three different, four different chapters. Just as an example. But that's 19 years in the Lord. Amen. I'm a slow learner. Trust me. But what I'm trying to say is that if I was to say to you, now give. Now, everyone on this ministry knows me and Rags. When we ask for finances to give to something, we tell you the vision. We tell you what the blessing is, but you give out of your own heart. But if I was to say to you, give it, and God will give it back to you, press down, shake it, and runneth over. And that God will. Can I ask you something? That'll be that'll be me. That'll be like me pulling the scripture out of its real setting. And you won't get the benefit of God's blessings. I'll tell you why, because that's got nothing to do with money. This has to do with forgiveness, has to do with judgment, has to still has to do with loving your neighbor and, and blessing your enemy. And if you read it in context, then I'll get the full picture of what Jesus is trying to say. And it's interesting to, to know that when I read the whole book of Matthew, it's amazing. I might have read Matthew or made chapters of Matthew, chapters of Mark, chapters of Luke. And all of a sudden I think, hang on a second. What did he just say? And the Holy Spirit starts to show you things in other chapters that will marry the story and bring a revelation to the whole story. Isn't it interesting when you read something from the Old Testament and the New Testament and the Holy Ghost starts to marry those two and it shows you a revelation from both. That's called assimilating the Word of God. But the Holy Spirit can't show you too much if the Word's not even in you. If the Word, if you don't understand what you've read. Now, what I often say to people, read the book of Matthew, read the book of Mark, read the book of John, Read Ephesians, whatever the book is. Read it and don't just stop. Read it again. Read it enough to comprehend it. Read it enough to know what you're reading, but not try and pull a revelation out of it. And then when you start praying in tongues, then this is the beauty about meditating. Meditation isn't going, well, God never gave me a spirit of fear, love, power, and sound mind. God never gave me a spirit. That all helps, but that's not meditating. The true meditation on God's word day and night is your spirit man is ignited to the Lord. Amen. The day you got born again, God lit your spirit. I often say to people with babies and with children, when your kids are asleep, their spirit's awake. Why do you think that's the devil attacks at night? But the same is true with the word of God. I used to go and lay hands on John Daniel and, and, and AJ and Joshua when they were young. They were asleep. I'd have the word of God playing in my house, worship. I speak truth over them. I go into their bedrooms and like, and I'm speaking to their spirit man saying, in the name of Jesus, the Father's love is poured in your hearts. They're asleep. But if you don't think the devil attacks them at night and tries to put fear in them at night and then they get up in the morning and think, oh, I had a bad dream of that and we get how much more the word of God over their life when they're asleep because their spirit is awake. So if my spirit is awake 24-7, that means I'm dwelling on what's in my, 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 in my spirit, man. So when you 
read the Word of God day and night and fellowship around the Word and worship and pray in tongues, guess what God's doing? He's forming the imagery of the Word of God in you in seed form to make it grow into a tree. Hallelujah. People often say to me, you know so much of the Bible. Honestly, I don't. I don't. But I've, I've read enough of the Word to get it in me. Sometimes we get so fat on the Word and we produce nothing. We just, we've got a lot of Word. We've got too much Word in us. You can never have too much Word, but we're consuming, consuming, but never digesting. But when I allow the Holy Spirit to form Christ in me, guess what? The revelation comes from Him. And when I give myself time to the Holy Spirit, my quiet time. So we're on a social media fast now, right? No point in giving up social media if you're not going to substitute it. No point in saying no to Facebook and YouTube and not say yes to His Word or yes to praying in the, in the Spirit or yes to worship at least or confessing the Word. All this is a key to get the Holy Spirit to work within you. Amen? We don't allow the Holy Spirit to work, but He has to have something to work with, guys. There's a, there's a false, I won't say false teaching, but it is, that once I receive the Holy Spirit, I've made it. No, I haven't. Pentecost was the beginning of the feast. It's the start. When, when I receive the Holy Spirit, I receive power and He, that I can be a witness. But I need the Holy Spirit to agree. My spirit, man, and the Holy Spirit have to come into unity. He has to be my teacher. Amen? Amen? So if I want to read something, and a lot of us go to scriptures that we like because it makes us feel good. That's great. Don't misunderstand me. But sometimes God gets you to, I used to hate the book of Proverbs. And you ask why. Because I was in a line of business that your yes wasn't yes and your no wasn't no. I was in a line of business that the industry was set up to cheat or not to tell full truths. So when I started to read Proverbs, it used to challenge me, so I never read it anymore. Nah, it's too hard. <laughs> what was it doing? It was reading me. It was challenging me and my character. And then the very... Book that I didn't like reading. I love to see the miracles of Jesus and that, blah, blah. But when it comes to my character, I stayed away from that. But guess where the Lord kept leading me back? <laughs> Proverbs. I'm not Old Testament preacher. I'm New Testament preacher. Ah, uh, yeah, one of your best. Proverbs. Ah, uh, but, but Lord, I don't want Proverbs. Ah, uh, but look, Proverbs. Anyway, who won? Jesus won. And when you read it, you think to yourself, it challenges in you because it starts to deal with you. I wanted scriptures to deal with other people <laughs> or how to minister to other people. And you know, in all those times, God did use me. God used me mightily, um, more than I, I, I deserve. You know, God, God gets all the glory. You know, I, I've got to say in my 19 years, God has used, used me and, and people around me. And, but I can, I can never be thankful for what God has done in my life and throughout to others. But God's like I always said, like a double-edged sword. He wants to heal the, the nation and he wants to heal you. He wants to bring correction to the nation. He wants to bring connection to you. And you know, I want to rise up and say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And God says, pray. Oh, but there's someone must be lost somewhere. Sit down and pray. Or meditate on this. Let the Holy Spirit meditate. So meditation isn't you humming and chanting or confessing the word. That's a part of it, 
But true meditation is to get the word in you. So the Holy Spirit can register with your spirit to bring you revelation. Amen? That's the truth of meditation of God's word. But if you never open your Bible and never read once, how's he going to use it? How's he going to form Christ in you? You know, it's, it's a question. You have to ask yourself. Now, I said I'm wary that people aren't readers. People struggle to read. I was a terrible reader. I said, okay, next best thing, audio. Put it on. Put a video on which has got Jesus. Remember, as I said, so many resources out there. But as you start getting hungry, you'll still open up your Bible and you'll start reading. And the good thing about a Bible, I used to go through my old Bibles and I used to be amazed how many things are unlined or highlighted. So many things that, that spoke to my heart when I was reading my, the Word. You can never substitute. See, we, we read in, we've got to read it in context, but we are so used to texts. Texts, even our phone, just text this number, text this message, cut and paste. All right, beautiful. But at what point are we going to consume? We're missing out on so much nutrition from the Word of God, amen? And um, so I mean, I'm encouraging you. You might be new. You might be in the faith 20 years. I don't know. But I always encourage you. We're not all Bible scholars. We're not all prophets. We're not all apostles. We're not all teachers. We're not all you know, gifts of healing. We're not all, But we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. We're all called to consume the Word of God. And once we read the Word of God through, and read it through, it'd be amazed what God does for you. Because if I get the Word in me, I'm giving the Holy Spirit a chance to form Christ in me. Because he doesn't go outside his word, guys. You can walk around and see all the miracles you want. And I've seen plenty. And you can go around and see all the revelation from someone else you want. But what is Jesus saying to you? What is Jesus forming inside you? What is Jesus trying to bring edify in you? But it ain't going to work. So to, to allow the Holy Spirit to marry your spirit, my spirit bears a witness with his spirit. We are children of God. But the word of God in you, if you don't spend, you know, someone said to me, if you read 15 minutes a day, every day you've read the whole Bible in one year. 15 minutes a day, every day, you would have read the whole Bible in one year. And that's a smack in the face to all of us. You know, I remember wanting to uh, read the book of John. So it's one of my favorite books, the book of John. And every time I got from chapter 1 to down the verse, I think it was 25, 26, wasn't trying to get a revelation. Wasn't trying to, I just wanted to read it. Wanted to read the whole book of John. And I get to there and God would stop me. Then I start again and stop me. So I read in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was God in the beginning. All things were made through him. Nothing that was made that wasn't made in him was life. The life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness is not comprehended. And I used to read it. I know it off my heart. And one day, God says, go to Genesis 1. Just like that. So I went to Genesis 1. This is my early days. Might be common sense to someone else, but I went to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth and said, let there be light. Hang on a second. Back to John 1, back to Genesis 1, back to John 1. I saw the first chapter of John was in Genesis. In the beginning was the word, let there be light or let light be. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness of the earth was formless and void, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep. He said, let there be light. 
And I went through to and fro, to and fro. I was like a little kid in a candy shop. Honestly, I was so excited I got this revelation because three chapters down in Genesis, the sun was created. So it wasn't the sun that the light was. And I was going from John 1 to, and then I understood my first example of assimilating the word. I didn't assimilate it. The Holy Spirit led me there. Guess what he did? He showed me a pattern between two different chapters and he married them up. And explosion went off in me. And I understood. I read something that Jesus is the word of God. Yeah, whoopee do. But if I don't understand that in my revelation, it's only words, man. But when I got it by revelation, no one's going to steal that from me. And Christ in me, the hope of glory, just blew up on the inside of me. And that was just one example, early days, before I knew any of this. And I couldn't get past those chapters. And God spoke to me. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. Praise be to Jesus. That he was in the beginning, the word of God. And it was a time and place for me. I, I had a Peter moment where he says, who, who do they say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He goes, ah, Peter, Simon, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my heavenly father. That's what I felt like back then. I remember reading, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except for me. It jumped out of the page. Wow. I could have stayed there. God says, keep reading. And we keep reading. Amen. So we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to work with something. Now, I'm not talking to babes here. I'm not talking to people that just want to get saved and hear a good salvation message. I'm talking to people that are hungry. You wouldn't be on Zoom on a Monday night hungry if you don't want to grow in the things of God. So what I want to impart to you what it means to meditate on the Word. It means just to get the Word in you and let the Holy Spirit form Christ in you. Amen? To assimilate the Word is when God brings the Word together. So I want to share an example with you guys. And um, bear with me. It's a bit of a teaching, but not even a teaching, but who's heard of the widow's mind? where Jesus is in the treasury and he looks in the treasury and he sees a, a widow put two mites or two coins in the treasury. And he says to the disciples, look, this widow, this, uh, the Pharisees or the rich people put out of their abundance, but this poor woman put all her two mites or her livelihood. And I'll tell you the truth, this woman gave more to the, than the other people. Who's heard that story? Pretty, pretty common. Another, another one that I heard a thousand times in my Christian walk, and they would say to you, Jesus is watching what you give, and Jesus is watching the treasury, and, and this woman gave her two little coins, but these guys gave out of their abundance. So it doesn't matter what you give or don't give, but God's watching what you give. And they teach it out of a place where when you when that when you're going to give, or, or when they're, they're stirring your heart to give towards a cause, but can I share with you that if you read this and allow the Holy Spirit to show you, this is one of my early revelations about the widow's mind, and it's, it's not my revelation in the sense that, but when I when I'm one of my old mentors was teaching this, and as he was teaching it, the direction he was going, I didn't agree with because I've been taught another way all my life, so I turned the CD off, pulled that on the side of the road. And I broke the Bible out. I had my Bible in the car and I was going for it. And God started to show me through scripture. But I want to share this little scripture with you. 
And if you look at the story of the widow, you can go to, uh, let's go to Mark. Get a Mark chapter 13. Get a Mark chapter, I'll go with you in my Bible. I've got it written down, I want to go with you. I want you to see this. Now, again, this is not an anti-giving message. I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't watch what we do. I'm not saying that the woman didn't do the right thing. But I want you to get the fullness of Scripture to understand what Christ is trying to say here. Amen? Because in the same context that he talked about the widow, just before it, Jesus' authority was questioned. Then he talked about be wary of the deceivers. Then he talked about the end times. So let's go to Mark. Bear with me, chapter 12. And I'll tell you the verse in a sec, Amelia. All right. Here we go. One sec. I'll come off again. Sorry. Here you go. Mark chapter 12. And it talks about Jesus. Here we go. All right, here we go. Verse 36. Sorry, guys. Mark 12, 36. And it says here, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around with long robes. And what do they do? They love greetings in the marketplace, the best seats at the synagogue, the best places at the feast, who devour widows' houses, and for the pretense make long prayers, these will receive a greater condemnation. Did everyone, did everyone hear what I just said? No one heard what I just said? Beware of the scribes who desire to go around with long roads. Are you in the same place I am? Mark chapter 12, verse 38. Where did I send you? 38, 12, 38. Mark 12, 38. He was laughing at me badly, eh? I'll read it again. <laughs> he says, beware of the scribes. Or then he said to them, in his teaching, just to, for the religious ones, that I missed out one verse. Uh, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogue, the best places of the feast, who devour widows' houses, and for the pretense to make long prayers, they receive a greater condemnation. That's a pretty harsh uh, accusation, isn't it, to the Pharisees? Verse 41, it says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury. Say how the people put money. See how people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put much. But then one poor woman came and threw in two mites, which made a quadrant, which is one cent. So he called his disciples himself and said to them, Surely I say that that poor woman has put more than all those who have given to the treasury. 
for they put out of their abundance, but she put out of her poverty. But in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now, I want to ask you a question. If Jesus, the verse before, said, watch out for the Pharisees that devoured widows' houses, and the next verse he says, oh, but it's a good thing to give all your livelihood to the treasury, does that make any sense to anyone? We can go to uh, Luke and we can see the same, same analogy. Look what Jesus was saying. Before that, how we meditate on the word and assimilate the word, if you read before that, it talks about beware of the scribes. They make you, they make you, they make you. Woe to you, scribes and you Pharisees, you teachers of the law. Which teaching did they teach this lady that she had to give her whole livelihood? If he was happy about the widow giving all her livelihood, because at the end he says he gave two, two coins or two mites, he says she gave her livelihood. But in the verse before he says they devour widows' houses. Because you know the next thing they're about to do? About to say, well, you've got nothing left, give us your house. Because God wants it. And it was a false teaching from even back then. And you can go back to, to, to Luke and you go back to Matthew in the same account and you see the same thing. And you think, my God, what was Jesus trying to say? And in the art of meditation, you read that same story in Luke and then read it in Matthew and then read it in Mark. And then the Holy Spirit will give you a picture and he's saying, I was not impressed that the old lady was giving her wife. Why do we know that? Why do we know that what I'm saying is true? If you go back to the law, under the law of Moses, the widow, the law, the temple, your tithe was to help the temple, the priests in the temple, and out of the storehouse, they would feed the orphans and the widow. So we already know under the law, she shouldn't be giving all her livelihood to the temple. If anything, under the law was 10% tithe. But under the strict law, the temple or the Pharisees should be giving to her. And yet Jesus is watching the treasury. He wasn't watching the treasury as if he was looking to see. Because if you read the verse before this in Mark chapter 11, he talks about he curses the fig tree. Then his authority is questioned. Then he says, not one stone of this temple will be left unturned. Then he goes into the treasury. What is Jesus trying to say? Jesus is saying, this poor widow gave her two mites, which makes one cent. And look what he says at the end. He says, she put in out of her poverty, her whole livelihood. And the verse before it says they come to devour her. The Pharisees were devouring her livelihood. And when you read the word of God in its context, guess what? You start to see a picture there was a false teaching even back then. And then the woes of the Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees, Pharisees you teachers of the law. Remember the seven woes? That's not recorded in Matthew. But it's recorded in Luke and in Mark, and, uh, sorry, Mark, it's recording in Matthew. And it's got the whole woes. And right in the middle of the woe, one of the woes it says, the Pharisees devour the widows' houses. When we understand, when we get the word of God in us, people, when I, under, when I saw that, I said to myself, my God, how many times have we twisted scripture to suit us? Or how many times people have twisted scripture to deceive someone? And when you get the word of God in you guys, guess what? The more you read the scripture, the more you read the chapters and verses, guess what? Holy Spirit becomes your teacher. I've got to hear an amen somewhere. The Holy Spirit becomes your teacher. And when he becomes your teacher, 
that he starts to show you revelation of his truth. And when he goes revelation of his truth, oh, I love this, Matthew. Go to Matthew 21. I promise it's right. Matthew 21. And it's amazing. In Matthew 21. I want to show you something that blew me away. Now, all I'm doing is showing you an example. I'm not trying to teach on this. I'm trying to show you an example that when you read the Word of God through, read the Word of God through, read the Word of God, and not even trying to pull a revelation out of it, not even to try and get something, but just read it and get it into your spirit. Watch what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, Matthew chapter 22. Does I say 22 or 21? <laughs> chapter 21. And verse 1, then Jesus spoke to the multitude, saying, let me get my phone, I can't see. Can anyone hear me? Oh, wow, I lost this. My thing shut down. Can you hear me? Sorry, guys, this, this thing's playing up. All right. So going back one step, sorry, guys, or just things, my whole thing's playing up. Give me one second, I'll find it for you. When we understand that, um, sorry about that technical issue, but when we understand, uh, <laughs> when we understand that, when we understand that God's word, when Jesus taught in parables and Jesus taught in chapters and verses, we look at chapters and verses as if it's the be all and end all. And it's not. It's the word of God in us. And when Jesus spoke, he didn't, he didn't say chapter one. I'm saying this in chapter verse. I'm saying that. He spoke freely, just like I, I'm speaking to you. The translators put chapters and, and verses on. And the question is, when I read the word of God, it's not like I'm reading chapter one and that's it. You know, and chapter two, it's not like a book or a novel. It's it's got more to do with the word of God's living and breathing like a double-edged sword. So when I consume the word on the inside of me, and I, I use this analogy about two laptops, when I download on the laptop, they do the exactly the same functions, but one laptop's got information, one laptop hasn't got the information. Even though they've got the capacity to do all these different functions and send emails and receive things, they don't it, it doesn't happen because there's not enough information. But the one computer that does all have information ends up doing the functions and, and, and the resources that you want it to do. And we're no different. Our spirit man is open to hear from God. And God will, we can meditate on this day and night. You know, when you read the scripture and you go to bed at night, guess what the Holy Spirit's doing inside you? It's forming Christ in you, the hope of glory. Why? You're giving him something to work with. Amen? You're allowing your soul to be nourished because the spirit man's taking over. And when the spirit man takes over, um, that's when God can feed your spirit. And then as you start to meditate on the word and start praying in the spirit and worshiping, um, you start to see that God starts to form Christ in you. You start to get revelation. You may never better get a revelation to preach the gospel like a preacher. That's not what it's there for. It's there to edify you, to form Christ in you. What did Jesus say? The words he hears from me and my father, and he brings it, to you, and it's an amazing thing. And you know, 
I often say this, unless we give the Holy Spirit something to work with, we're just like a sitting duck for the devil. That um, we're, we're, we're sitting duck for the devil. We are on Christ. We built our faith on the finished work of the cross. We have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we're sitting on that rock. But he says, but if you build your house on the rock, in other words, I've got the rock, he's Jesus, but how do I build on the house? How do I build my house on that rock? I'm meant to not just find the rock, I'm meant to build my house on the rock. Because if you do my sayings, or if you do as I have told you, and then he was telling the disciples this, so if I build my house on the rock, then when the storms of life come, it won't be blown away. When I do what Christ wants me to do, when I allow the Holy Spirit to form Christ in me, guess what? I've edified myself to the point where Christ in me is the hope of glory. Amen? And um, it's, it's, let's go to Matthew 23. It wasn't 21, it was 23. And he says here, it says, when Jesus spoke to the multitude, or to the, the scribes and the Pharisees sat at Moses' seat, so do observe whatever they tell you, but do not do the works that they do or the works that they preach. And it's a funny thing. He goes, they're going to tell you the law of Moses. They're going to tell you truth, but they never do what they say. Because then he goes on to say in verse 14. So if you have a look at that, who, who's in 23? It says, he talks about they don't do what they do. Well, let's read the whole thing. You know what? And I'll finish with this. Let's read the whole thing. Get that point. So now he's going, woe to you Pharisees, you scribes, you teachers of the law, you hypocrites. I love this. Says, don't do what they do, what they say, but don't do what they do. For they bind heavy, verse 4, they bind heavy burdens on you, hard to beat, um, to, to, to bear. And they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But they, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their, um, they go on and say they make, they, they put garments on themselves and they, they, uh, they want to be the, the head and not the tail. And, and they talk about rabbis and they, and they go, woe to you scribes and Pharisees. And go down to verse 12. says, and they want to exalt themselves. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And he's talking to the Pharisees. He goes, they wanted to be the, the first at the weddings. They want to be the in the marketplace. Are you getting a picture? In verse 14, look what it says there. Woe to you, scribes and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses. There he goes again. Are you seeing that? He goes, you devour widows' houses, and for the pretense you make long prayers, Therefore, you'll receive a greater condemnation. If you read the whole chapter 3, it's woe to you Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees. And even there he's saying, you are teaching wrong teaching. He goes, do what, do what, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Then he goes on and says, this is what they're like. Then he says, woe to you Pharisees, you devour widows' houses. If you go back to Mark, what did he say then? When he saw the widow giving her mites. He was saying this poor widow just gave her all her livelihood. Because you know what he was saying? The next thing they're going to say to her, listen, lady, if you really love God, you've got to give us your house. And if you read it in that context, and when you let God assimilate and meditate the word, guess what he's saying? 
He's saying, do not be like a Pharisee. Don't be like a scribe and devour people's houses. But you listen to the Holy Spirit. And our job is to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because what they were doing to that poor woman, someone taught her a teaching that's wrong. Someone was deceiving her. We know under the law, as I said, she only, had, she only required 10%. But if you look at the nitty-gritty of the law, nothing. She was a widow. She was, and then we were supposed to look after widows and orphans. And that there, I can go all night and break this hole down. But the, the, what I was trying to show you is, if you look at the widow's mite in its, just in its, like a text, just in a scripture, what have you got? Oh, Jesus said that he's watching the treasury and the widow put more than the, the Pharisees. Yeah, that's true. The widow didn't do anything wrong. God wasn't having a go at the widow. He was having a go at the Pharisees. He was having a go at the teachers of the law. He was having a go at people that were doing false doctrine. Why? Because he knew what was coming next. And if you have a look at Mark 11, he curses the fig tree. It says he was hungry and wanted to eat fruit, but it wasn't its season. And he cursed the fig tree. And he was cursing the, the state of Israel. He was cursing the religious system of its day. He was cursing everything that doesn't bear fruit. Because everything that doesn't bear fruit will be chopped from the root. So that was just an example. Sorry it took so long to get there. I had some issues. But uh, if, you, if you look at it in context, now I'm not saying don't give. I'm not saying Jesus doesn't know what we're doing. He does. But in this context, you can't use that scripture to deceive someone. Because that's what they were doing to her. And you can read it in Matthew. You can read it in Luke. And you can read it in Mark. And it all comes up with the same conclusion. If I read it on its own, it won't mean too much. But when I let the word of God assimilate and I let the word of God meditate through me and God, the Holy Ghost, brings it through me, guess what? I get a clear picture of what he's trying to say. A clear picture in knowing that, you know what? How many times have we done that? How many times have we taken the scripture out of its context to make it work for us? Or how many times have we read something and the question is this. Many of us here, I know, aren't trying to deceive someone. We're not trying to deceive ourselves. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get the fullness of what the Scripture says about us. Amen? We're trying to allow the Word of God to be formed in us. So when the Holy Ghost becomes our teacher and He forms Christ in us, we are unshakable towards the devil. Amen? The devil has no grounds over you. Amen? And the more you get the Word of God in you, the more God can form Christ in you. You know what? You might not be looking for a scripture about fear and worry, but as you read the word of God, you start something rises up on the inside of you. As a young believer, I I was talking to someone. I was a young believer and a, and a brother in the Lord was getting condemned by someone in the church. And he happened to be uh, walking past the conversation about him. And someone said, he's not righteous enough. And as a young believer, I didn't know too much, but I knew enough to know, but hang on, where the righteousness in Christ Jesus? Righteousness was a gift. And this person was trying to put this person down, the other person down, and it was trying to say, he's not righteous enough to do anything in the church. And I said, but hang on. And out of my spirit rose, but you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The righteousness you got is a gift. Don't let that person put you down. You can't be any more righteous based on your salvation. I can work out my salvation, but I can't be any more righteous because the blood made me righteous.
Amen. And I said, you go back and you rise up. Anyway, I was a young believer, but it just came out of my spirit. And I wouldn't have uh, thought about that. It just came. Why? Because I had read it. The word of God was in me. And the, at the right time, the Holy Spirit brought it to fruition. Is there a place in us where we need to walk righteously? Absolutely. But I'm not talking about that. This person was condemning a brother in the Lord to put him down. She just didn't like him. And she says, he's not righteous enough. And something rose on the inside of me. And that man came out of a horrific background, that man. He was a brother in the Lord. And from that day, he got up. He said, that's right, I'm righteous. And his walk with the Lord went through the roof because he wasn't trying to obtain righteousness. He understood what Christ did in him. Amen. I said, you go and feed on the things of God. And we, brothers and sisters, want to encourage you. I give more than you think. I'm not, this is a message about anti-giving. Please don't misunderstand me. But if everything I come to God, I have to come to him by faith. When I understand who my provider is, I lack no good thing. I don't give to get because my father has given me everything. But when I give, God's trying to get into my heart to give. You know, I gave when I didn't have it to give. I sowed when I didn't have it to sow. And I understood. But if my motive is, well, look at me, I gave out of my poverty, I'm in error. It's called pride. That's not faith. Amen? But when I give, and this is not about giving, but when your heart is fixated on Christ and when God starts to form him inside of you, you don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you when to give or not to give. You know it's the right thing to do. Hallelujah. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is inside you. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Listen to me. When we get the Word of God, probably can't see that now. Get the Word of God inside you. You give yourself the opportunity to be taught by the Holy Ghost. All the teaching externally is great. I thank God for my mentors. I thank God for people that have taught me faith, hope, and love, uh, walked in miracles in front of and taught me how to minister. But the greatest teacher you'll ever have is the Holy Spirit. But give him something to work with. <laughs> we can't be. The Bible says in the latter days there'll be a famine in the land. I think it's in uh, Jeremiah, I think. But there's a famine in the land. And it won't be for food. And it won't be for the word because there's plenty of words. It'll be for the hearing of the word. You know what? Too many people are going this, uh, what is that? Um, uh, having this malnutrition because they don't read the word. They want a quick fix. They want someone to pray for them. And we would love to pray. They want someone to fix their problem. They want to get a word from the Lord to fix their problem. But they won't spend five minutes in his presence. Let's not be a people that are starving and malnutrition when we have food. You know, people that are bulimic, what they do, they it's a disease. And they what they do, they eat and they make themselves vomit and and they make they don't eat and they, they just deteriorate. Let's not be those let's not be a, an anemic or, or bulimic, whatever Christian. We have enough word in us, but let the Holy Spirit train us. Let the Holy Spirit bring the nutrition. And it might be as simple as as you're reading the word of God. And as you're reading it, and you, how many times are you looking for something for you and God shows you something totally different? It happens to me every time. Because the Holy Ghost knows what I need, not what I want. I might want to get the next best sermon for you next Monday. Holy Spirit says, hello, this is what you need. And he's the teacher. He brings from 
doesn't speak of his own authority. This is a beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit's job is to form Christ in you. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring you into his presence, Jesus' presence. The Holy Spirit teaches you from the throne room about Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings you to Jesus who shows you the Father. Amen? Then faith arises. Why? I trust him. You can trust. The more I believe, the more I trust, the more faith arises. Amen? The more I understand who I am in Christ, the more the the word of God gets formed in me. And I love, we're a generation that loves an experience. And I love an experience more than anyone. I love the atmosphere of worship. I love fellowship when we get together. But we have to be a people that understands that some of the things that we preach together, some of the things that we meditate on and we rejoice over were written by a man who was in chains in jail. A man that understood provision no matter what. Was, was never understood sonship and never understood lack. When, when he went through lack. He went through all these things that we go through, but he never was there. He was never, he understood that I'm in content in all things. We're talking about Paul here. In chains and rejoicing in what God's doing. Amen. So I want to leave you with that. And that was just a little analogy of a couple of things that went through my life. And God started to put a picture in my life. I said, you know what, brother, I love you, but this is what the word of God's saying to me. And what I'm trying to do in my walk is not to try the next that they ever get caught up thinking that you found something new. There's nothing new under the sun. They ever think that you're gonna find a revelation that no one else has got. The greatest sadness for me is brothers in the Lord that used to preach with me. And they were trying to find something that no one's ever preached, or trying to find something that no one's ever taught, and they fell away. Because they're trying to be something they're not. They were trying to tell the Holy Ghost what to tell them, not trying to hear from the Holy Spirit. It's a very sad place. And when I build my house on the rock, the rock is Christ, amen? But how do I build? Be careful how you build. Paul says, I lay a foundation which is Christ. And every man, every man has to lay, be, be careful what he builds on. Amen? So I want to encourage you. For those who are scholars in the Word of God, you keep doing what you're doing. I'm here to, to, to as a brother, in the most simplistic ways. That's okay. We're not going to get always a lightning bolt when we read the Word of God, but read it. Open the board. Read it through. Get get addicted to the Word of God. Get your nourishment from the Word of God, but let the Holy Ghost in you form Christ in you, and watch what your life will go straight through. The why? Because the Word is based on the inside of you. Yeah, I want to be a word man, but I don't want to be a word man from theology, and theology is great. I want to be a word man knowing Christ personally and to know him, to know his word, to be a part of him. So when the word gets formed inside me, guess what? It's a part of me. It's part of my DNA. It's who I am. Amen? That's anything that comes out of me. And that's another way to allow the Holy Spirit to form Christ in you so we don't gratify the lusts of the flesh. Why? Because we're walking in the spirit. It doesn't have to be goosebumps and I feel the presence. No, no. You need to know he's with you at all times and at every moment. Amen. When I do that, I allow the Holy Spirit to feed my spirit because he's not going to do it for you. The Holy Spirit will not do the work for you. 
Christ has already done the greatest work ever on the cross, amen? But now it's up to us to co-labor with Christ, to allow the Holy Spirit to form Christ in us, to build a structure on the inside of all that cannot be shaken. And that's if we give him something to work with, amen? So I want to thank you tonight. I want to bless you guys. Sorry for my malfunctions. I had the scriptures everywhere. I went crazy. But I want you to just to encourage you guys. This is not now to go around and read the Bible to find out mistakes or what people. Please don't misunderstand me. But it's now to get the glorious picture of who Christ is. And when Christ taught, he taught in a whole imagery. He didn't just quote a scripture just for one little. He's trying to paint a whole picture. and We can never, ever dissect it like that. We'll get revelations of it, bits and pieces. But gosh, Jesus is trying to form it in our spirit, man. Amen. And he said this, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And he will guide you and bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. Hallelujah. He hasn't left us as orphans, people. He loves us. And when we start to get a revelation on the inside of us, some revelations aren't for anyone else but you. Oh, I've got a big mouth. I want to share every revelation I get, but sometimes it's just for me. It's sometimes just for me to sustain me, to edify me, to bring me to that place. We all want to sit there and show our, share our revelations, and it's awesome. Please don't get me up. Don't misunderstand me. But I want you to understand, we're coming into maturity as a body, and we're coming into a world where we need to hear and be guided and led by the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a Darkness has come upon the earth right now with lies and fear. But we are the hope. We are the light of the world. Christ in us is the light of the world. You know, we've got to let Christ, see, the more I decrease, Christ in me increases. Isn't it a funny thing? I've got to decrease so I can show the light in me. Less of Tony and more of Jesus. Amen. So be blessed. I love you guys. I want to close, close off in prayer. And um, I pray that um, it's just a little key. It's not the be all and end all, it's a key. And, you know, I love the understanding that please don't think you, you don't have to be a scholar to hear from God. You don't have to be a theologian to hear from God. You don't have to have a PhD to hear from God. God is looking for willing vessels. Um, um, a willing vessel. A willing vessel is someone who's hungry enough. You know, the scholars of Jesus' time missed out. It was Zacchaeus climbing up on a tree. It was a little boy that gave him his lunch. It was a woman that was risked her life with the issue of blood. It was the disciples that wanted to walk with him when Allah has left. It was the women that followed him and gave to his needs. It was the ones that were just hungry to know him. And that's who we got to be, hungry to know him. Amen. Let's not look for sensationalism where no one, where we're just looking for the next fall of the anointing. And, that. and I love all that. Please don't misunderstand me. But the more God speaks to my heart and I'm a, I'm a party waiting for it to happen. So I'm looking for the next event and I'm looking for the next Holy Ghost move. Oh, mate, I love it. That's my nature. But I understand enough to know that if I don't dig enough deep in the word of God, I'll be deceived, and I will deceive others. And I'm here to tell you, guys, we love you. We're going to walk with you. Our job, Rabs' job, is to walk alongside you, 
to guide you, to know Jesus is our Savior, that you can trust us in the thing that we love you, we're praying for you, and we know that we're going forward. We know the mandate God's given us might be different than someone else's. doesn't make it better. just makes it this is who God's called us to be. We're going to be who God's called us to be with our rough edges and everything. But we're going to take down the kingdom of darkness. God says, I'll build my church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, which means we're kicking the gates of hell down and we're going in there to bring our people out. Amen? Nothing's going to stop us because this is Jesus' mandate. Go into the world and seek to save that which is lost. So, Father, I thank you tonight. Thank you, Father, for your word. Your word is true. And, Lord, I love you. We love you so much, Lord. We love you to the point where we just want to hunger and thirst for your righteousness that is within us, Father. You show us and guide us into all truth. Father, I thank you for your hand is not short. Father, that you have risen and gone before us. Lord, that we can consume your love. The power that you have given us. The stable mind that we understand who you really are. Father God, let your love fall upon us. Lord, that if anyone's in fear or in anxiety or depression or in just in, just in not knowing where the next step is, Lord, that you would guide us into all truth. For the fabric of the world, Lord, you knew us. You knitted us in your, our mother's womb. Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you that everyone that's at the sound of my voice will know and hear what the spirit of grace has to say for them. Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus that's still crying out on our behalf. Lord, I thank you for the seed of faith, the seed of hope. Lord, we don't have a dead God, but we, are, we worship a living God. Christ is alive, hallelujah. He's alive in us. We are your body. and You are the head of the body. So you are in control. Lord, we want the mind of Christ in every situation. And I thank you, Father. As we read your word, we fill our spirit with your word, that the Holy Ghost would form Christ in us. Bring us rhema word. We need a word from you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We can do nothing but say we love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for the work you are doing with us. And what you started, you will complete. Lord, I give you praise and honor. I give you thanks, Father. And Lord, where the world is crumbling, Father, we rise up. The church rises up. We, are light, we shine the light of Jesus in that darkness. We bring comfort when there's no comfort. Lord, we edify you as our Lord and our Savior. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. And I thank you for everything you've done for us to date. But Lord, we haven't seen anything yet. So we can see you seated at the right hand of the Father. And I thank you, Father, that the world may know that you are the one and only true God. And Jesus, you have set us free from light into dark, from darkness into light. You set the people in darkness and bring them to the dear light. I give you praise and honor. I give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you listen to the sound of my voice, 
It's quite simple. That if you believe in your heart and confess from your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. So I thank you, Father, that anyone that's hearing my voice will repent and bow their hearts before you. All you have to do is confess Jesus as Lord. Just tell him who you who really you are, what you want from him. Confess your sins to him, and he'll wash you with his blood. He'll make you a new creation. You'll be seated with him as part of his family. And it's a promise he will keep. He'll guide you into all truth. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. See you next Thursday, guys. Those are watching, we'll be back on Thursday.